we, we say this, and, you know, when we look at the parables, we need to remember that Jesus is trying to speak in the language that people would understand. And what's interesting is you and I find that even though he speaks plainly, there are times you're like, I still don't get it, right? Um, and maybe that's just me, but we see that pattern with the disciples. He had to take them aside a little bit and say, hey, you know, what's going on? Uh, this is what I really meant by all that. You know, it was pretty plain, but let me expound upon it a little bit more. But we continue to look at these parables. Jesus talks to us and taught us about the kingdom of heaven, what it's like as we have been taken from darkness to light, as those who are his disciples, right? We are those who our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 tells us that. Um, Ephesians 1 and 2 talks about the fact that we, our lives are hidden in Christ who is seated at the right hand of God in, in the heavenly places and that all the spiritual wealth and the spiritual blessings of heaven are ours and, and so we look at that and we go, okay, we're caught between two kingdoms now. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. Second Corinthians 5 says that, that the old is passed away. Behold, the new has come because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. And so now we go, okay, how does this new creation function in the kingdom that it was born into? We come across this parable. And this parable comes right on the heels of where Jesus is really saying, you need to repent, repent, repent repent and then he goes into this parable right and, and you're like okay so let's talk about this parable again so just to recap a man owned a vineyard right and it's a vineyard produces what grapes not a trick question right a vineyard has grapes but we see that there's this fig tree weird okay but there's this fig tree in the middle of the vineyard in fact it are not produced uh, fruit for quite some time, we were told. For three years, it had not produced anything. And the owner was upset. He's like, this is wasting good soil, good ground. You know, what's the point of having a tree if it doesn't bear fruit? Now, if you're anything like me, and I hope you have a better green thumb than I do, I have tried fruit trees, and I am, I don't know, I, I, the wrong manure, I suppose, uh, not enough water, but I, I can't get them to produce fruit. I just am no good at it, but a, I've never waited three years, I have to be honest with you. I'm just like, whatever. You know, put something else in there that's decorative and, and let's be done with it. But the owner was kind of upset. I, I planted this fig tree and it's supposed to be bearing fruit and it's not. So let's just get rid of it. And the vine dresser intercedes. And, you know, vineyards are typically good ground. And so this fig tree would have been planted in good soil and yet it was not bearing fruit. The vine dresser comes to that defense of the fig tree and offers what? To dig a water well or a trough around it, right? So it can retain more water, so the, it's a little more saturated. And to put a bunch of manure around it, a bunch of fertilizer around it. And, and, and he says, give this tree a greater opportunity to bear fruit. So we're going to drill this down a little bit. And, uh, you know, because like, okay, that makes sense, you know? Let's get it more water. Let's let it retain more water. Hi, Chris. Okay. And then, <laughs> I see you. No, and then, and then let's, let's, let's put some fertilizer around it. Let's give it the best conditions that we can so that it might produce fruit in a year. So the fig tree represents you and me. Oh, man, I didn't want it to represent us. Yeah, it does. We are planted in the vineyard of God, and we have been planted to bear fruit. 
And the vineyard like is typically really good soil. So here we are in this good soil of God's love. The vine dresser is Jesus, and he intercedes, and he says that his spirit offers to work more on helping the tree be fruitful. So I think we should note a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we are dependent upon the work of the Holy Spirit to produce fruit that is pleasing to God. We are completely dependent. You know, the, the owner didn't come and say, come on, tree, bear fruit. He just said, no, look at the tree. It's not bearing fruit. And the vineyard said, no, let me do something to help. Let me intercede. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 explains how Jesus uses water for those who are his. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So Jesus is washing his people, his church, with the word of God. Jesus is working the soil of our heart with the washing of the water and the word. Now, you might have heard something about the water and the word and might think, huh, I've heard that always about baptism, right? We add the word to the water and it makes it something supernatural and God's gifts are present there. Plug for August 9th. We're going to have a baptism outside. We're going to pack the place out. That's a lot of place outside, right? So, anyway... But I think that we need to question. It's good to sometimes have self-reflection. And, and fortunately, we did the absolution and the confession at the beginning, right? Have some reflection. So we're ready to receive a little bit more of what God might want to say to us in his gentle way. But do we desire the word of God? I mean, I think that that's something we all battle with. I battle with it. You know, I, I have a routine, right? I've had a routine established for years. God put it on our heart. But there, there's still moments, right? And seasons where I'm like, I'm not really paying attention to what I'm reading. I heard at a conference years ago, especially those in church leadership, you know, how often are you studying the Bible for somebody else? And that always really hits me. Like, okay, I need to, I just need to receive what God has to say for me and have expectation that he wants to talk to me through his word. He's going to address my current circumstance through his word. And also, do I really want to experience the cleansing of God? Right? Because sometimes the cleansing can also be translated pruning. And that hurts a little bit, right? You know, but all of those, uh, you have green thumbs out there, you know that you have to clip some things back, right? In order for it to be more fruitful the next year. But we don't like that. We don't like being trimmed. We don't like being pruned. And then there's manure. Now, Kathy was generous and put a better picture on the front of the... Uh, the uh, the bulletin there, which is, and she says that's a fig. Anyway, so uh, that's what it said on her search when she looked for it. But, you, you know, I, I got to tell you, because she, she said, so should I put a picture of a cow daddy on the front? I'm like, you're asking the wrong person, because I would say yes. But, but she, she was smarter than me and went to some reason. And, 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 I mean, truth be told, she couldn't find a nice picture of a cow daddy, right? <laughs> it's hard to find out there. You, you can bedazzle it. It still looks horrible. Anyway. So, but here are some benefits that I think it's important for us. And if you really want to know benefits of manure, you could probably talk to Harold, right? You probably know a lot more than the rest of us about some of these soil things that they do. But for us who aren't as smart as Harold, I'll give you some, some, some basics. As soil absorbs manure, nutrients are released. 
This enriches the soil, which, is, which in turn helps the plants. The most important benefit of using manure in the garden is its ability to condition the soil. Remember, we talked a, a few weeks ago about, about the, the, the parable of the soils, the different types of soils. And even the hardest soil, if it's worked, can be fruitful and beneficial. For instance, making, mixing manure with sandy soil helps to retain moisture levels, right? It thickens it up a little bit so it'll hold, it just won't go through. Adding manure to compacted soil, so that hard ground, will help loosen the soil. Manure produces increased soil carbon. I don't even know what that is, but okay. Apparently it's important, which is an important source of energy that makes nutrients available to plants. Other benefits of manure include reduced runoff and leaching of nitrates in the soil. So this is good stuff. And if you want to have some, well, never mind. There's, you have to have certain types of manure, right? You know, chicken is, is a pretty popular one, and, and cow is a pretty popular one. Um, but they found that dogs and cats and humans, uh, manure is not very beneficial, just so you know. Um, I had a friend tell me, trust me, he goes, human doesn't work. Don't ask me how I know. Okay. He lived in a, com- he lived in a commune for a few years, so I have a feeling that they figured that out. But God uses the circumstances of our lives to create an environment ready to receive his word and benefit the productivity of the tree or us. Now, I never have walked through an orchard, and I have, to be honest with you, I have walked through an orchard, but I've never walked through an orchard and heard the trees straining or grunting to produce fruit, right? Wouldn't that be weird if you have this little lemon tree in your front yard and you walk out and you hear, ah, you're like, well, no. They don't, they just sit there, right? You give them water, or the heavens above give them water, right? They receive the benefit of the gardener that prepares the soil and waters generously. So how does this speak to us today? We are trees planted in the good soil of God's love, okay, right? We received his mercy, uh, his grace. He took us from death to life, made us new in him. God did not save us to sit, though, right? He didn't say, okay, great, there you are. He saved us to serve and to be sent. We were talking about it in a Bible study. One of the spiritual disciplines is, is that we should be sharing our faith. Now, I don't like to use the word should, but how do you share your faith? You bear fruit. You show that God is love. You show that you have a great vine dresser. And that doesn't mean that you have to, like, you know, as a tree, shake, you know, in front of somebody and say, look at me, look at me. It's just you live and they go, oh, look, look at that tree. It's bearing fruit because you're in love with Jesus. We have the opportunity to produce fruit that is pleasing to God and that is a sustenance for others. Now, too often we resist the work of God because manure is not pleasant, right? You can drive through certain places going that way. Yeah, on, on, was that 15? (laughs) And you get to a certain stretch, you're like, hmm, that's, that's fresh. Right? <laughs> and you're like, okay, that, that, is, that is not a pleasant to the smell. Seasons of life, they come and they go and they cause trials and tribulations that sometimes seem like a big pile of manure, right? You've been there, you're like, man, this is like that. That's all I mean. I want to fill it in. You guys can fill it in. But however, if we avail ourselves to the washing of the water of the word, it's hard to do that. We will rest in the finished work of Christ and will naturally produce the fruit of good works. Now, maybe there are some that you know that claim faith in Christ. Nobody here, because you guys are awesome, right? We know that. But maybe you've heard of some who claim faith in Christ, but you simply have not seen a life that reveals an active or a vibrant faith. 
They are not in regular fellowship. They do not seem to care about worship. They have no desire to read God's word. They never seem to mention a relationship with Jesus. They could care less whether others hear about our wonderful Lord and Savior. In fact, if you were to compare their lives with someone who did not claim faith in Christ, you might have a difficult time making a distinction. Now, this is not an indictment on them. We need to understand that. Nor is is it a call for us to judge one another. Because what I am asking is that we would allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us where we might be resisting the work of water and manure in our lives. These are one of those things where you're going to like, I remember there was a, I heard a sermon about manure, right? You know, it's one of those things you're like, there was manure. And there sometimes you're going through something, you're like, oh, this is a manure moment in life, right? But I think we should ask ourselves, you know, again, it's not a law thing for us because Jesus does all the work, but at the same time, he's inviting us to, to, to be part of, of what he's doing and, and to be aware of him and what he's doing, but ask if we are producing a fruit that God desires. Listen to John chapter 15, verses 4 through 9. Jesus speaking, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. By the way, music for little kids is really important because every time I read this verse, I always think, he is the vine and we are the branches. The banner over me is love. Okay, there you go. So if you want to see more of this, come to VBS next week. Okay. Um, Don't let that just deter you either. (laughs) But if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Now when you read some of these things that Jesus says, you're like, how is that possible? This seems harsh. It's not harsh, it's hard. I'm not going to lie. I don't think Jesus ever said harsh words. He said some hard things, though. And so we look at this, and we go, and, and I think that what this should cause us to do goes, I cannot do this. And so we look forward to the fact that after this, He took on our sin on the cross. He, he died, and then He rose again, and He gave the church His Holy Spirit so that we can be pleasing to Him and we can stay connected to Him because left to ourselves, it won't happen. Abide means to stay, remain, continue to live in. Abide in the love of Jesus. Live in the love of Jesus. It's one of the reasons why I always encourage you, just enjoy Jesus. Because when you enjoy Jesus, you will naturally go and share life, which is only found in Christ. It is difficult to truly allow Is it difficult to truly allow the Spirit to search your heart? It is sometimes, right? It's hard. It's like, I'm vulnerable there. Well, listen, God already knows. He already knows what's going on in your heart, and He loves you anyway. In fact, He loves you in spite of what's going on in in your flesh. He knew that. He knew you were just dead, that you were actually a pile of manure, right? And He's like, hey, I'm going to make you something beautiful. But it's always beneficial when we say, okay, Lord, have your way. Repentance is inspired by the kindness of Christ. Why? Because when we repent, we know that he's receiving us. We know that it's right. We know that there's been some disunity with him. And, and, we're, and, we're, and his love constrains us so that we're like, oh man, I, I just need to, okay, Lord, I give. And now we're like, oh, 
It's so good to be right with Christ because He did it. We are not removed. Why? Because Jesus loves us. There is no fruit more glorious to God than the fruit of repentance. In an attitude of repentance and humility, we produce the fruit that God intends. One of the spiritual disciplines we talked about is an attitude of gratitude. I think Mig said that. But, you know, are we people who are grateful? Are we people living under the mercy and the desperate need of the mercy of Christ to go, hey, because you have done this for me, now I can. Now I get to. Now my life has meaning. It has purpose. It's exciting because I know where I'm going. In an attitude of repentance, we produce the fruit that God intends. Now, this doesn't mean that you walk around going, oh, man, I blew it. Uh, no, it just means you're like, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Lord, Lord, thank you that you have not left me to myself. I have never. Uh, it's never about a checklist either. But there are some ways that we know that we can be pleasing to our King. So I may, may I encourage us to examine our lives. In this moment, allow the hard, unfruitful areas of our lives to be exposed, watered, fertilized. As we respond to the Lord, we find ourselves doing a couple of things. We find ourselves longing for His Word. We find ourselves longing for fellowship with others. We find ourselves longing to worship and to sing. And we have a longing and a desire to serve the church. And we have a desire to serve others. And we have a desire that others might know the salvation of our Lord. And then we have even a greater longing to keep our eyes gazed upon the throne and look at our beautiful Lord and Savior. And then we get to come to the communion table today, right? So if you're like, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. He's the only way. We want to not only remember, because for us, it's not about his death. We are thankful for his death. But we're getting a taste and a moment of the heavenly feast that Jesus invites us all to be part of. He eagerly wants to share this meal with you, and he wants to say, hey, keep going. I am present in these elements. I'm here for you. I want you to know tangibly that I love you and that I accept you and that you are forgiven. You might not feel worthy. Guess what? You never have been, but come and receive the gifts that God has for you at the table. He longs to be with you. So let's take a moment. Let's Put distractions aside, if possible, right? That's a hard thing to do. And just say, Lord, I'm so glad you're the vine dresser who interceded for me. I'm so glad that, that you work and add water and the fertilizer to my life that I need so that when I come before you and you draw me to your table, I am just celebrating the fact that I get to be part of this heavenly feast. So let's take a moment in silence.